It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Hope you had a great weekend. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, one 866 Stephen Miller at the bottom of the hour, so I'll give you some time in about 10 minutes to get what's off, uh, what's on your mind, off your chest, and on our show. So for the national audience to hear, uh, to hear and be part of, uh, once again, interesting stat to share with you before we start. If you wonder where President Biden was and why the lights were out of the White House, he was away again. He has spent his first 276 days in office, 107 out of office, 35 personal trips. That is a new modern record. Trump had 70, Obama at this point 40, George W. for 84. He loved Crawford, but not as much as Joe Biden seems to love to be out of the White House. For a guy that spent decades running for president, he finally gets to be president. He doesn't want to be there. And it matters because in backdrop of this is him saying he's always too busy to go to the border, a place that allowed 1.7 million at least illegals to come through that border. He won't even visit. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's big three. Number three. The COVID shock to the economy uh, has caused disruptions that we'll be working through over the next year. And of course, Americans haven't seen um, inflation like we've experienced recently in a long time. Right. Uh, Janet Yellen, supply chain, inflation, jobs, three things the president could focus on or pretend to focus on. But instead, he vacations and plots to spend more money we don't have while sacrificing our energy independence. The reality first, the ideology. That's what we're living through. Number two. Not only are we going to want to protect the, the law enforcement and, and all the jobs, uh, we're actually actively working to recruit out-of-state law enforcement because we do have needs in our police and our sheriff's departments. So in the next legislative session, I'm going to hopefully sign legislation that gives a $5,000 bonus to any out-of-state law enforcement that relocates in Florida. He is so smart. He opens up the ports to help the, ba- the, the log jam, and now he's opening up his arms to cops and firefighters because they're being fired if they choose not to get vaccinated in other states. Mandate mania showing up to be pure insanity as Delta recedes in 40-plus states and thousands are to lose their jobs because they're not vaccinated. What costs are we willing to pay to make everyone do what the government says? Number one. 90% of the bill agreed to and written. We just have some of the last uh, decisions to be made. Uh, it is less than we had uh, was projected to begin with, but it's still bigger than anything we have ever done in in, in terms of addressing the needs of America's working families. Ah, uh, there it goes. The spin starts. Nancy Pelosi, final hours for the spending palooza. Looks like a deal could be done any minute. What's in the bill and how they are trying to spin it? You just heard some of it. So for one thing, I don't believe a word Nancy Pelosi said. Remember a few weeks ago, we're going to have a vote. It's going to be fine. We're going to pass it. Then no Wednesday, no Monday, no Wednesday, no Friday, no weekend, October 31st. She got a total pass on that. But the president of the United States, one thing about this administration, they have deadlines they hold to it. Look at Afghanistan. We left hundreds, if not thousands, of allies and citizens behind because the president had a go-to date. Now we have a Scotland date. What's so big about Scotland? Well, he goes to Glasgow. It's the latest climate summit. 
And he wants to go there and say, look what I did to our country in the name of clean energy to save the planet. And right now he's got nothing to say except for I stopped pipelines in America. Let them go for Russia. I stopped fracking on federal lands. I have actually were 60,000 short on truckers. So therefore, oil and gas is not getting transported effectively. And I've also leaned on these major Wall Street firms, not to invest in any of these energy companies, which I think is criminal. So what is in the spending palooza? We know the $1.2 trillion has, has at least symbolic bipartisan support with 19 Republican senators, but they won't vote on that unless they have a reconciliation package all lined up and the ink uh, and the T's crossed, the I's dotted, and all printed out. So what is dead out of the bill? Number one, it's not $6 trillion, It's not $3.5 trillion. It looks like at most it'll be $2 trillion, more like $1.7 trillion. What is dead? Free community college. What is on, the, on a respirator, extended dental, hearing, and vision into Medicare? What else? It's the extensive clean energy program. Joe Manchin says, I'm in an energy state. You're going to destroy the country. We're in an oil shortage. We're in a natural gas shortage. And it's not in America's interest to destroy our our fossil fuel industry, so I'm not going to go for it. Raising the top bracket, cinema is not for that. So it'll stay at 37 instead of 39.5 or whatever. The corporate rate will stay at 21. It looks, if the reports are correct. Cinema doesn't want to raise that. Voting rights. Not only will the parliamentarians strike it down, uh, they don't even think it's going to be in. Immigration reform to criminal justice, it's not going to be in there. Student relief is all dead. Now, what is in there? we believe, is universal preschool. That's great. I would love the federal government taking care of my three-year-old. I know it's going to run very effectively and efficiently. Also, they think they're going to get spending on a bunch of social programs that need to be refunded. Senator Manchin appears on board with the White House proposal for new taxes on billionaires and certain corporations to help pay for his scaled-back social service climate change package. That's a quote from it seems from an unnamed source who has been talking to Joe Manchin. Here's what Ro Khanna said yesterday. Even though I don't agree with him on much, it's impossible not to like him or respect his intellect. Here's what he said yesterday on Fox News Sunday Cut 14. Chris, I mentioned uh, earlier, Senator Manchin has been a straight shooter. Uh, you know exactly where he stands. I disagree with there he is, but I respect that. My concern with Senator Sinema is, why are the rules different for her? Why doesn't she go on shows like yours? Why doesn't she explain herself? If she's shifted her position on Trump tax cuts, explain it. I guess I've never seen a politician, including, frankly, the former President Trump, who just totally ducks answering questions of the media or constituents, and that's my frustration with her. She's not clear about what she believes. Right, and, and by the way, nobody can say that President Trump does not take questions, although he didn't. Uh, I was the only interview he did between losing the election and the inauguration, which he didn't show up for. And I think people were relieved he didn't. But I wish he went. Nancy Pelosi, again, tries to tell us the deal's done. Cut 15. 90 percent of the bill agreed to and written. We just have some of the last uh, decisions to be made. Uh, it is less than we had uh, was projected to begin with, but it's still bigger than anything we have ever done in, in, in terms of addressing the needs of America's working families. By the time he leaves for Europe, do you think you'll have a deal by Thursday or Friday? No, I, I, think, we're, I think we're pretty much there now. You think you have a deal now? We're almost there. We just, it's just the language of, of it, but it will, be, it will um, not offend, shall we say, 
uh, the concern that uh, Senator Manchin had about the CEPP. So, I mean, she lost all credibility. No one even holds her to account. We will. When she said this was going to get passed, it was going to get done. The problem is Joe Biden does not want to be Joe Manchin, even though we were told we we're getting Joe Manchin. He sees more eye to eye with these progressives, or at least they tell him uh, they to see eye to eye with these progressives. The other thing I want to talk about is something Joe Biden's solely responsible for, and that is this mandate mania. Now cities are taking his lead, like the governor of Massachusetts, like the mayor of uh, Seattle, of New York City, of um, the governor of Washington State overall, the Los Angeles, excuse me, the California governor, but not the police chief, thankfully, and saying you got to get, you have to get vaccinated. And they're picking a date over the, within the next two weeks. Some as early as today and others. But what it's doing is, because you have 80% of your police force vaccinated, you feel good. I feel good, but not them. With this mandate, you got to get rid of the 20%. And it's almost impossible to get a waiver, whether it's religious or physical. They're not giving it to them. You're going through chemotherapy. You, have, you tend to have blood clots. Uh, you've had bad reactions to vaccines in the past. Whatever it is, they're not giving you the exemption, so therefore you are fired. I mean fired. How does this make sense? You're getting rid of 15% of a police force in Massachusetts? Here's what the police union uh, president said, Mike Shervin. Over 85% of the troopers have been vaccinated. Whoever is uh, making the decisions would rather usher out centuries worth of experience in terms of implementing this mandate while knowing that these decisions are exasperating an already critical shortage of state troopers. This willful attacks on public safety personnel and the continued rush planning around the COVID-19 pandemic is putting lives at risk. Here's an example of somebody looking for a exemption. A trooper for 17 years, named Stephen Candido, serves in the gang unit, experienced a severe reaction to vaccines while in the Air Force. He has a well-documented history of vaccine waivers for some of the most prestigious hospitals in the world, including Walter Reed. Supervisors just called him up and said he had a clear case of needing a vaccine, excuse me, they needed a waiver, and that he'd received preliminary approval. But on Friday night, under the cover of darkness, the sergeant became one of the dozens of troopers to receive notification that they are facing discipline and are not allowed to go back to work. In Chicago, said 21 department employees have been placed on no-pay status to provide information because they didn't provide information that she wanted. Uh, Right now, 79% of city employees have complied with Mayor Lightfoot's order to submit vaccination status, but about a third of employees in Chicago Police Department, 4,500 overall, said none of your business. In New York, 46,000 New York City employees have to get the shot by Friday, or they will be fired. Cops and firefighters, fired. We know teachers have just been out. We haven't heard much from them. I'm sure the union's keeping them quiet. By the 8th of December, contractors who work with the federal government got to get their shots or they're fired. And tens of thousands have fired right, uh, right before Christmas. That's what the result will be. In Los Angeles County, Alex Villanueva announced, he's the county sheriff, earlier this month that he would not carry out the, the county's mandate for his, his, his department's 18,000 employees. He says, I will lose 5 to 10% of my workforce overnight. I can't do it. So you could fire him. But I believe that's an elected position, so I certainly hope not. The guy makes a lot of sense. When we come back, your calls, one 866 You, I know the polls say that 6 of 10 of you listening to me right now believe that the mandates work and are necessary. But do the polls also say, play this out some great people don't want the vaccines. Some, now I'm increasingly one of those people. See, this is just the beginning. I hear about Colorado in certain cities. They're mandating the flu shot. Really? Now I have to get a flu shot or I'm fired? Now, guess what? 
we all be, big announcement over the weekend on boosters. How soon do we come to work and find out you're not fully vaccinated? Your card doesn't work. That piece of cardboard's not effective. You got to go get a booster. This is not going to stop. And if you if China rolls out another another virus, we're going to come up with another vaccine that'll be mandated. What is going on? Do you see how this plays out? Well, I'll tell you what. Any politician that's mandating this better be ready for a backlash. Uh, I'll be with you just around the bend. Uh, go to BrianKillMe.com if you're at work or if you're in school and you're kind of listening with that headset in or your, uh, or your um, uh, AirPods and you can't really talk anymore because you're back in school and back at work, you can write me, BrianKillMe.com. Just click on comments. Don't move. Brian Kill Me Show. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. The world of business moves fast. Stay on top of it with the Fox Business Rundown every Monday and Friday. Listen to the Fox Business Rundown starting May 20th at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, welcome back to everybody. 1-866-408-7669. I don't know if you've seen this horror show, but as I mentioned, 1.7 million people came across the border, which with image that we thought the uh, image of Rio Grande Bridge uh, in the Rio Grande Valley, seeing all those uh, Haitians and others underneath the bridge, 15,000 or some ridiculous number like that. Uh, then they suddenly disappeared where they go, mostly inside our country. And now we're seeing more border, another caravan of thousands break through deep in Mexico. They've only in day two. This is organized, was organized on an app. It was put together. You got to see people. Are, there's people in there's so many strollers. There are people in wheelchairs all coming to our border because they believe they're going to get in and they might be right. We are absorbing other countries. There are more people who come through our border already this year than are in the state of Wyoming. So Arino Musaya is a caravan organizer and was interviewed by Griff Jenkins uh, exclusively. No one's even trying to get this story except Fox and said this about what's going on with Mexico and how they're disingenuously trying to stop 
the influx. Cut 35. You know, it's heartbreaking to see what's happening. And I think Mexico is just handing up and using this as, as a money grabber for the U.S. All the Biden administration is doing is throwing money at it. You know, it's not, it's not really fixing anything. They don't even, I don't even think they care about this issue. So when I see this, it hurts me because I voted for Biden. It is impossible. It is naive for the American government not to think that the Mexican government put the Haitians from point A to point B in three or four days. And I see it. The caravans, most of them were paid by the Mexican government. Why? Maybe because they don't want the problem. Maybe because they want to pressure the U.S. and they can sell this with better money. They're using the American government because it's naive. I just thought that I watched that sound by the four in the morning. I just thought that was so valuable. That is the guy that's organized this caravan and seeing what's happening. We have the remain in Mexico policy there, but the administration of the Supreme Court put it back. But the administration doesn't want to do it. So they've made no effort to really find out how Mexico views it and how we could work together. With Trump went in there and he said, we're taking away all your aid and we're going to pull out our manufacturing unless I see some cooperation. And they got it. And then it ends up working as a partnership and less as a leverage buy, if so to speak. So in a time in which we are yelling at cops and firefighters to get vaccinated, how dare you go to a restaurant unless you got your second shot? You can't play basketball unless you're vaccinated. You can't go to you can't go to preschool or actually grade school without a mask. Soon they're going to mandate the 5 to 11-year-olds going to be available in a couple of weeks. I'm sure they're going to come down on them. But you allow millions of people to come in unvaccinated. We don't even know where they are and meld into our country. This should not be acceptable. Tom Holman, Cut24. The secretary went under oath last week and says the border's closed and secure with 2.3 million. It's, it's ridiculous. And he stood on stage and Del Rio says to, to the Haitian migrants, don't come. You won't succeed. You'll be deported. In the meantime, 15,000 are walking out the back door, released without court dates or COVID tests. So this administration just continues lying, and they're not apologetic. The reason they're moving those children in the middle of the night, because, again, they're lying to the American people. They don't want the, they don't want the American people to know what they're doing and how many people they're releasing and where they're releasing them at in cities that aren't expecting them. This is, this, I never seen an administration outright lie as much as this administration every single day it's uh so true so you got one they say 1.7 million if you look at the gotaways it's over 2 million and then you figure they're all being melded into society maybe your your kids class has 17 people in it ask them again soon they're going to be 25 we were talking to uh we were looking at another class and in fact one of these teachers were texting me they now have 39 kids in a class that started the year with 19 and they have to split the class in two and most of out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. These kids can't don't know their numbers or they don't know English. So what are you supposed to do? Put them in ESL classes? Already crowded. And now these teachers who don't speak Spanish are at a loss. Some of them have been asked to retire because, oh, it's happening. And they're not putting them into the high-class areas, the upper-class areas. So putting them into working-class areas. They believe that those, uh, the working-class people in America, the blue-collar workers, will not unite against them. But I think they're wrong. 
because uh, their kids matter too. Uh, and they're going to show up at these board meetings. And they're going to let their opinions be heard. I hope. Anyway. Meanwhile, when we come back, I'm going to be joined by Stephen Miller. He's going to unwind what's happening at the border. Tell us what, what happens, too. Because remember, with this administration, uh, the previous administration, they had a lot of people come in, but they were trying to stop it. In the meantime, where did those kids go? I mean, do we track them then? Do we go now? How do you arrive? How do you arrange these private fights? How do you pick the airports? Stephen Miller will tell me exactly what this administration's up to. As President Biden goes to New Jersey to talk infrastructure and stand by a 100-year-old bridge and say, I'm getting that replaced. But he could have passed the whole thing months ago. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. I'll give you two or three reasons. Number one, they campaigned on an open border. Number two, they said that they, uh, they've indicated that they think that these folks will end up voting Democrat at some point, and that's part of why they want to give amnesty to these people, uh, which is ultimately a path to citizenship. And the third thing is that there's a lot of people that are in this administration that don't believe in the Westphalian nation state. They don't believe in the the concept of a nation state. I mean, that's something that's been a, a treasure on the left for a long time to eliminate that. So there's three there's three reasons right there. But the bottom line is they all make our country more insecure. Uh, and this is a national security issue right now. I don't think there's any doubt about it that Congressman Andy Biggs is 100 percent correct. Because we see what's happening at the border. We see the caravans streaming in. We see the plane flights in the middle of the night dropping people off at, uh, at Catholic charities, which I don't think should be wasting our money on that. And that's supporting illegal behavior. It's like, to me, supporting mobsters or gangsters who want a place to stay. I mean, they might be nice people, but to get here, they broke the law. You cannot support that type of that type of activity. With me right now is Stephen Miller. Uh, Stephen, I can I know you knew that they were going to be looser on the border than you guys were, but did you expect it to be this this bad? No, I didn't think that anybody, frankly, could be this bad. I knew that it was going to be terrible. I knew that they were talking about making some extraordinarily unwise policy choices. But if you had asked me to sketch it on a piece of paper, the worst thing that I could imagine, I wouldn't have said that in the first nine months of the Biden presidency, they would set the all-time record in American history for illegal immigration. And those comparisons even still understate it. This is an important point. So the, the last year, the second worst year in American history is 1986. So it's Biden number one, 1986 number two, which was the year of the, of the amnesty in 86, which tells you something. But that year was mostly adult males from Mexico, you know, people who are, you know, 30, 40, single adult males coming here looking for work. So when they're apprehended by Border Patrol, they're back to Mexico in 90 minutes. That's how it worked in the, in the 80s. Catch and release wasn't even a concept. If you had said in the 1980s, oh, well, we catch people on the border, then we release them, people would have looked at you like you had a third eye. So it's not just that we have the most illegal immigration in American history. It's we have the most people being released into the United States in American history. By the way, do you think they all got vaccinated? I can assure you that is not the case. Because the, uh, there's a big push 
to get rid of Title 42. There are Democrats that are mad at Joe Biden uh, on immigration because he has not got rid of Title 42. How twisted is that? Oh, I mean, it's demented. But the important point on Title 42 is that the administration is using Title 42 in only a fraction of cases just so they can retain the talking point, so they can say, oh, we're still using Title 42, we're still using Title 42. The, the reality is, is that if you look at the flights that are landing all across the country, that's all the evidence that you need that they're not using Title 42, in addition, of course, to all of the sources that I have throughout government and some of the reporting that's done, even by the Washington Post, about the mass releases that are taking place all throughout the United States. So let me ask some Stephen Miller. You know, you guys had illegals, and you had unaccompanied minors, and one day the facilities were packed, and the next day they weren't. So you know about these flights. So tell me what happens— what happened to the people that you guys had? I mean, you had your nighttime flights too, right? So this is one of the most important issues. It's one of the issues, Brian, I could go so deep. I, we could talk for two hours about this, so I'm going to try to condense it into three minutes if I can. So let me go back in history a little bit. How did this all start? The, the whole phenomenon of America having people – just shy of 18, a lot of teenagers, mostly male teenagers, coming across our borders. It began in 2013 after what happened? DACA, right? D-A-C-A, DACA, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. So Obama issued the memorandum saying that people under the age of 18 are basically given amnesty. So smugglers started switching their tactics to bringing in minors into the country. And as a result of that, people remember in 2013 and 2014, for the first time in history, we saw these huge waves coming into our country. And it's more difficult to deal with, obviously, than single adult males because there's a lot of provisions in our laws that create extra process for minors than for adults. Fast forward to the Trump administration. What we did was a couple of things to begin with, and then ultimately we fixed it completely uh, before we left office. But we started by enhancing sponsor vetting. So in other words, the, to the extent that you are in any case required by law to place someone with the sponsor, we're not going to place somebody with somebody who hasn't been properly vetted, and that's a serious issue. Uh, the second thing that we did was we criminally prosecuted and we investigated people that are involved in child smuggling, and we had Homeland Security investigations camped out on the border following every lead for everyone who showed up illegally under the age of 18. Who sent you here? How'd you get here? Do you have a phone number? Where does that person live? So we actually sent law enforcement nationwide, few people know this, Brian, to try to track down who's bringing these kids, put them in jail. If they're here illegally, deport them. Break up the child smuggling rings. I used to hold weekly meetings on this issue just to try to break up the child smuggling rings. And then finally, when we implemented Title 42, we were then able, with that authority, to have a repatriation policy for single minors, repatriate and reunify, which means someone under the age of 18 shows up, and at that point in time, we would contact their consulate, their embassy, social services in their home country, and get them back home within a couple of days uh, to be reunited with their family in their home country. Once we implemented that policy under Title 42, the number of unaccompanied minors reached levels that were lower than anyone who had worked in Border Patrol can ever remember seeing. I mean, it just fell to the floor. And the Biden administration inherited that authority and that wildly successful policy. And they made a decision early on in, um, I think, in the very beginning of February to exempt 
all minors categorically from repatriation under Title 42, and they completely disemboweled and eviscerated all of our other guardrails that I just walked through in terms of actually investigating the child smuggling, going after the people who brought them here, bringing immigration charges against those who facilitated the illegal entry, so on and so forth. So they just ripped off all the guardrails and ended all the repatriations. And that's why you've seen now for six straight months in a row, more unaccompanied minors arriving each of those months than all of pre-Biden history. And it's not stopping, and it's probably going to hit new highs, and it is an all-time record. So the caravan organizer, did you see this caravan that Griff Jenkins is with now, if you missed the show over the, over the weekend? They are uh, only in day three. They're still th- uh, about 1,200 miles away from our border. But I, I'm amazed. There's, there's so many strollers. I saw multiple wheelchairs. Uh, they are A lot of these people in talking, they speak the King's English. Uh, they're coming across mixed in. This is as if it's an open, wide open border. They're not even, they don't even have a plan to sneak in. They have a plan to walk in. Listen to what the caravan organizer told Griff. Cut 35. You know, it's heartbreaking to see what's happening. And I think Mexico is just handing up and using this as, as a money grabber for the U.S. All the Biden administration is doing is throwing money at it. You know, it's not it's not really fixing anything. They don't even I don't even think they care about this issue. So when I see this, it hurts me because I voted for Biden. It is impossible. It is naive for the American government not to think that the Mexican government put the Haitians from point A to point B in three or four days. And I see it. The caravans, most of them were paid by the Mexican government. Why? Maybe because they don't want the problem. Maybe because they want to pressure the U.S. and they can sell this with better money. They're using the American government because it's naive. So he's he's telling every side of the issue. He's he's walking these people to the border at the same time saying, I can't believe this. Well, first of all, you notice, Brian, how we're literally the only country in the world, in planet Earth, that has caravans, yeah. right? That tells you something right there. The, what you're seeing is the result of the decision with the Haitian migrant camp that Fox News covered so brilliantly, the, some of the best journalism anyone's ever seen. The decision to release most of the Haitian migrants into the United States, and we don't know the exact numbers, but it's the vast, vast majority. The decision to do that has ensured that we are going to see an endless parade of caravans, and this is the next caravan. And the caravan organizers deliberately, they're, they're sophisticated in this way, they will put people in the caravan uh, that are going to make it even likelier, uh, you know, say families, children, et cetera, uh, that the Biden administration is going to let them into the country. And that's exactly what we're seeing right now. Let me ask him, you, you saw the polls that he has 23% approval on how he's handling the border. Stephen, you, you're from a political environment. Why would anyone continue a, pro, a, a program that has, has the, the country so galvanized against it? Because they're playing a long game, and Republicans tend to play a short game. So Republicans are very focused on the midterm election. Not unreasonably so. I mean, why wouldn't you be? Not that they're not, too. But... But the Democrats are also focused on 50 years of power, and they understand – Just it's just one example. If you just flip Texas blue, 
if you just had Texas follow the same track as California, the Republican Party is dead. It doesn't exist, at least not in its current form, unless it wants to become a replica of the Democrat Party. And Texas right now right, is on a similar path to where California was, where I grew up, you know, the land of, of, uh, of Nixon and Reagan and voting for one Republican president after another until, you know, even, you know, H.W. in 88, until – until 92, it went for Clinton and never again for a Republican in their lifetimes. That could be, but I, I thought the trend in Texas was changing, changing back to red, and they were losing some of the Hispanic communities around so the border. Yeah, so what's happening is, I mean, nobody's clairvoyant. Uh, what's happening is that the Hispanic community is increasingly turning against the illegal immigration, and so in that sense, yes. It's backfiring on the Democratic Party. But all that being said, if you have the kind of poverty, if you, the middle class destruction, the reliance on welfare, and all of the things that come with mass illegal immigration, like see the city of Los Angeles as an example, all of those things cumulatively, the destruction of the public school system, everything else, they tend to break down the civil fabric of society in a way that pushes politics to the left. Very interesting. Lastly, it seems like the the president is is more and more looks like he's going to run. How often do you speak to the president, former president, and what do you think about what will be the deciding factor if he got in? Some say it will be how twenty twenty two goes for the Republicans. Well, I don't I don't pretend to have any any special insight. I think that he's kept that very very close uh, to the chest in terms of what the exact criteria is going to be. I saw the president only just a, a few days ago, and I keep in regular touch with him, and he is incredibly focused, as you mentioned right now, on the midterms, backing candidates that he knows are going to go to Washington to carry forward the agenda and can, can fight for all the issues that the president is so passionate about, in cor- of course, including the securing of our border and what a Republican majority is going to have to do to shut down what we're seeing right now. And I would be remiss if I didn't say uh, to the point about, about the long game, let's not forget that the reconciliation bill includes in it an amnesty for most of the illegal immigrants who are living here today. Which we hope the parliamentarian will throw in the street like she has done before. Don't you feel as though that'll happen? I think that when Menendez says they won't take no for an answer, I I believe him. It was a report in, in Axios, which means that they're going to keep coming at the parliamentarian until she breaks. Wow. Uh, that would be unbelievable. Um, but I guess not unthinkable. I don't know. I, why would she break? I mean, who would? Because it's the John Roberts phenomenon, right? In other words, they come with proposal A, they come with proposal B, they come with proposal C, and they keep threatening that they'll overrule the parliamentarian. Does the parliamentarian want to have her own rule um, overruled? Right at some point, the parliamentarian might think to themselves, better to go along with Plan F or Plan G or whatever that Menendez and Schumer are throwing at me than having them go the, um, the nuclear option and just declare that you can do immigration by reconciliation, period, which is what Harry Reid did back, as we know, on, uh, on uh, judicial nominations um, previously. So it's not – there's a, it's been done before, right? The nuclear option now gets used like every three or four years to change the filibuster rules. So I think she would think, much like John Roberts has been pressured by these sorts of campaigns in the past, 
better to fold at some point and they'll leave me alone. All right, Stephen Miller, uh, exciting times. Uh, we hope the American people are getting to see a report card uh, crystal clear because so far I've never seen – he set another record. Not, not only did he let it, you know, a record number of illegals in, he's also – no president has lost as many approval rating points as Joe Biden has in nine months. Amen. That's true. Steve Miller, thanks so much. Thank you. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. I'll take your calls when we get back. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's Brian Kilmeade with Fox News Podcasts Plus. You can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. The FDA authorized the mixing and matching of booster shots and vaccines as we enter the just winging it phase. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, when it comes to medication, when has your doctor ever said, just mix and match? It's all good. Taste the rainbow. Uh, that, that was one of the few moments that I have heard recently that really made me laugh on SNL that wasn't politically driven. Uh, because, I mean, if you watch the open, there's so much that Joe Biden has screwed up. His approval rating has dropped. His, his uh, town hall was a disaster. The way he froze with his hands in the air wasn't even brought up. And you had uh, you had Jason Sudeikis, who did a flawless Joe Biden, where it looked like he wasn't going to get the nomination during the during the primaries. And now you have him back hosting. And it was just so mild. Do you want to hear a little bit of it? Trick or treat. Smell my feet. No, I'm just joking. How the hell are you, buddy? Hey, wait a second. Who are you? Who am I? What do you mean? Who I'm you. I'm you from eight years ago, man. The ghost of Biden passed. Boom! How can you be me? You seem so happy, so carefree. So, so, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Lucid. Yeah, Yeah, partner. Well, you know where I'm from, we're still VP, you know? Easiest gig in the world. We're like America's wacky neighbor, you know? Just pop in with an ice cream cone, some aviator shade, do some finger guns, you know? Shake a few hands, rub a few shoulders. Yeah, well, you can't do that anymore. What? Which one, rubbing shoulders or shaking hands? Clearly both. It was just, I I don't even see the the guy that's doing Biden now isn't even good at all. And he got great remarks or from... I will say he sort of got got the squinty eyes this time a little bit more, and I feel like he got the body language, but no, compared to Sudeikis, who is phenomenal, he's terrible. Yeah, I mean, think about Will Farrell destroyed W. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donald Trump. I mean, you saw Alec Baldwin mm-hmm. that mean ass way of doing it, but just try to nail it. But there was no humor with Alec Baldwin. No. But he, even there, Sadegas, what's that word? Lucid. I mean, thank you for actually. That was one. What one. everyone is thinking about Biden. All right, guys, countdown eight days in counting to the President of Freedom Fighter come out. I want you to go to BrianKillMe.com uh, and catch up with me on the road, uh, and also. On stage in West Virginia, November 7th. On stage in Orlando on the 21st. And December 3rd and 4th. First, Ponte Vedra and then over to Clearwater. Uh, Ponte Vedra is basically sold out. Clearwater right behind it. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. 
Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. And I hope you had a sensational weekend. That's your first mandate. I hope you had a good weekend because it looks like the President of the United States thought it would be another great weekend. I think it's 35th day to leave the White House and go somewhere else. He loves going to Delaware. If he loved going to Delaware so much, why did he run for president? Because I thought he always wanted to be president. Now that you're there, you keep running back. And he goes to his summer house so much, now they're going to put a security fence around it. They're going to surround his house with a security fence, but not the country. So far, listen to this, days outside of the White House in first 276 days in office. Joe Biden, number one in something, 107. Trump, 70. uh, Obama, 40. uh, George W., 84. So 35 personal trips woven in there. So you could say he's very busy. His answer when it came to why didn't go to the border is comical but tragic. And there's a lot going on right now as he tries to pass this spending palooza and jam it down our throats. We'll discuss that. This is one of those days. There's 10 major stories. Uh, Buckle up. Let's get started. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The COVID shock to the economy uh, has caused disruptions that we'll be working through over the next year. And, of course, Americans haven't seen um, inflation like we've experienced recently in a long time. Yeah, thanks, Treasury Secretary. Pretend it's not your job. Supply chain, inflation, and jobs. Three things the president could focus on or pretend to focus on, but instead he's on vacation and plots to spend more money we don't have while sacrificing our energy independence. We'll talk to Michael Goodwin about this. Number two. Not only are we going to want to protect the, the law enforcement and, and all the jobs, uh, we're actually actively working to recruit out-of-state law enforcement because we do have needs in our police and our sheriff's departments. So in the next legislative session, I'm going to hopefully sign legislation that gives a $5,000 bonus to any out-of-state law enforcement that relocates in Florida. Nice. Mandate mania showing up at pure insanity. So Delta recedes 40-plus states. Uh, are saying we're getting better and better and thousands are about to lose their jobs? What cost are we willing to make for everyone to do what their government says? Number one. 90% of the bill agreed to and written. We just have some of the last uh, decisions to be made. Uh, It is less than we had was projected to begin with, but it's still bigger than anything we have ever done in in, in terms of addressing the needs of America's working yeah, families. Yeah, let, let the spin begin. Final hours after the spending palooza. Looks like a deal could be done any minute. What's the bill? What's in it? What's not? And what are they going to say about it? Michael Goodwin, uh, welcome back. Thank you, Brian. All right, first off, guess who's going to Glasgow? It is President Biden. He's going to go there and say, it's time for us to get rid of fossil fuels. Look what I did. What do you think he'll have in his hand there? Well, I think he'll talk a lot about joining the Paris Climate Accords. He'll he'll probably announce uh, some new measures restricting uh, drilling in the U.S. or uh, car mileage requirements for the automakers. Uh, I think it'll be uh, incremental things, which is not what he wanted. He wanted the big Green New Deal. He wanted to say that America is the leader of the world in cutting carbon emissions. And he'll talk about his goals of reducing the emissions by 52 percent from the level of 
2005 by 2030. So he'll talk a big game. He'll act as though he is really totally committed this to this. But for those who are keeping score, he'll have scored very few runs. Uh, and I say to that, thankfully, because his plans, I believe, would further damage the economy. I mean, you're talking about supply chains. You're talking about inflation. Uh, all of these things would get more difficult the more restrictions you put on, on manufacturers, yeah. on transportation, all of these things would get more expensive, not less. And so this idea that we have to transform the economy while people are already struggling to pay their bills because of inflation, because of increased costs, uh, it, it makes no sense. But then again, so much of the Biden agenda makes no sense. Well, I want, to, I want you to hear the most boring person in the world talk about inflation. Uh, she is his Treasury Secretary. Cut 20. Many uh, firms are experiencing a shortage of labor. Mm -hmm. um, the COVID shock to the economy uh, has caused disruptions that we'll be working through over the next year. And of course, Americans haven't seen um, inflation like we've experienced recently in a long time. And the, she says it's going to stick around till late 2022. Uh, 4.3 million workers leaving their jobs in August. She says for better jobs, we got 10 million open jobs. And the fact that we had once 11 million open jobs, she thinks shows great progress. And the supply chain thing, she acts like it's nothing to do with her. Some credit, though, Brian, to her to at least acknowledge the inflation issue. But how could she uh, not acknowledge the inflation well, issue? That is that that is one of the the things that the Biden administration and the Federal Reserve keep saying. Oh, it's transitory, transitory. It may be, but it is real for now, and no one knows what transitory means in Fed speak. So she is at least acknowledging that we haven't seen anything like this in recent years, and that, that's not just a a minor issue that cuts into any wage gains that people make if you get a, a salary increase of three percent and inflation on the core issues that you're buying is five percent you're you you're two percent behind where you were just on those purchases and so that kind of uh inflation is is a tax uh, economists say inflation is a tax on the working class and the poor and that's a clear example of it. And so for her to at least acknowledge that in a way that I think is not uh, tinged with this false optimism that it's short term, I think is progress. But of course, still pushing all of these other nostrums that all, everything else is just temporary. So the supply chain uh, issues, for example, the worker shortages, all of these things are serious, serious dents, not only to the economy, but to many families and to the future uh, growth. Because if there isn't growth, then there won't be prosperity to share. So get this. It looks like Kirsten Sinema says, I will not sign off on the raise in corporate taxes or the top bracket taxes. So that's not going to do it. So they're going to, Joe Manchin says, I'm not for this new green package that you have in there, this clean package, uh, clean energy program that's in there. So uh, the voting rights and immigration, they will not sign up. Criminal justice reform and student debt relief, all no go for these two senators, one or the other or both. So now they're going to look to do a 
uh, tax the billionaires program, which is about just under a thousand billionaires in our country. Uh, they say she's not against raising taxes on them on unrealized income. Uh, so a wealth tax on capital gains that's not realized. How does that work? Good question. And there's been lots of talk that it may be unconstitutional. Uh, I mean, how, you know, how in the world do you tax somebody on a gain that hasn't been realized when, when they actually realize it, it may be a very different number. I mean, it's like taxing you on your stock holdings or on real estate or something or a piece of art that may come in fashion and go out of fashion. So it, it's a silly idea. It crosses a boundary, but it just shows how desperate Democrats are uh, for two points. I mean, the, the Elizabeth Warren wing, which is to punish success and to demonstrate that they are punishing success, to make it look like they are living up to their promises to go after wealth, to try to flatten society so that this uh, income equality. I mean, it's silly. It's, it's just uh, an idea born out of ignorance that somehow you can flatten the earth to make everybody equal when it comes to income. I mean, it, it, it goes against any common sense, any human endeavor. It's like trying to make uh, every outcome equally the racial and gender uh, percentages in the population. This, this kind of social engineering that the, that the far-left Democrats are about is to, would destroy every initiative in society. It's almost like they don't understand human nature or they hate human nature because they want to crush it. Yeah, in a way. And now they're going to, instead of the $3.5 trillion, it looks like they're going to get between $1.7 and $2 trillion. And we're not going to know exactly what's in it. But thank goodness for Mansion Cinema, and I mean that, because just because they don't get everything, they did put a halt on this insanity to a degree. But listen to this spin. Gary Peters. We're not going down from $6 trillion to $3.5. We've never had those numbers. It's, we, uh, it's given the impression that we have had and we have have to cut back. He goes, Congressman Peters went on to say, we have zero. Anything we add to zero is literally a plus and a success. Really? No. You had $6 trillion, knocked down to $3.5 trillion over 10 years, all the social programs that there's no need for. So now out is community college. Out is adding vision and dental to Medicare, which is already going bankrupt. Uh, out also is uh, student debt forgiveness, I think I mentioned. So they have a lot of things. Some things are saying that they think they're going to keep free preschool uh, in there, and they're going to get uh, a work requirement when it comes to child tax credits, and it's not going to last it, uh, three years. It's going to last one year. So these are all gains that you would think Republicans had to do, but this is just sober Democrats. Well, and Brian, don't forget, too, the infrastructure bill, the one that really yeah. has bipartisan support, is sitting there waiting for a vote. Now, whether this uh, advancement on the social infrastructure, the, the, giveaway infra the, the giveaway bill, as I call it, uh, whether that will unlock uh, the vote in the House on the infrastructure bill remains to be seen. But it, it, it still boggles my mind 
that Joe Biden, who was sucking wind in every poll, uh, gave his blessing to holding back the infrastructure bill. I mean, for the life of me, I cannot fathom. This was Joe Biden's promise, that he would be able to unite the country, at least in Washington, that he would be able to uh, work with Republicans in Congress to get things done. This bill, the infrastructure bill, is proof of that. And yet he gave his blessing to holding it back until the far, far left got what it wanted and the other bill. I mean, for the life of me, I cannot understand uh, that form of governing. You run on the promise of uniting the country, and then you purposefully pick a project and a bill that divides the country, and you give it the most prominent position. You make it first and everything else is second. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense, A, in terms of what the country needs, and B, what the country wants, which is for Washington to work together to get things done. It's the far left that is holding that up, and Biden has given that far left its his blessing. It just boggles the mind every time I think about it. And I would add to that, might be your next column, how many people are going to be losing their jobs because of this, his ridiculous mandate that everybody's got to be vaccinated and he's going to lose policemen, firefighters, hospice workers, medical workers, teachers, all across the country. And he's got 85% in a lot of these divisions and they're all going to get fired or let go. I mean, these cities can't afford to do this. it, It is a purely ideological administration. That is what we're seeing more and more. I mean, the, the point I was just making about the infrastructure bill, you're right. The, the, the mandate is the same kind of thing. It's ideological. It is not practical. It is not about bridging divides. It is following one stream of thought only, and that's the ideological view that uh, everybody must be vaccinated. I mean, whatever happened to herd immunity? You, you don't hear that phrase anymore. I thought that was science. But now science is apparently a mandate. Science is a is a demand that everybody do the same thing. Well, that right. that was never necessary in the control of any previous and, and my, uh, epidemic or pandemic. And um, yet that's yeah. the process they're following. And my exit point is now when it comes to kids, they're going to effort so smart. They're going to effort to get the shots with the pediatricians. So therefore, when a mom or dad comes in and says, you know, I don't know what to do with my seven-year-old, they'll talk to the person they trust from the time, usually, the time they were born and say, listen, this is the plus, this is the negative, this is what I know. And then they'll make a decision with a professional, not a politician. Why they can't get these shots to doctors, I don't know, because those are the people you trust. Nobody wants their local politician telling what to do with their body. And for those people who say it's a conspiracy theory to think once they mandate this, they're going to mandate other things. In Colorado, they're going to begin mandating the flu shot. Mandating the flu shot. I mean, who do, now we can't eat lunch and maybe the, the, the house, uh, you know, the, uh, the building lunchroom because I don't have the flu shot. So this is just the beginning. And soon we're going to get the booster shots going to be mandated. I mean, the CDC says it may uh, change its definition of what it means to be fully vaccinated. Uh, it, it 
will include booster as a requirement. And so when, when a company or a government says you must be fully vaccinated, they're going to mandate boosters as well. That's coming down the road. Yep. Michael Goodwin, thanks so much. Always great to talk to you. NY, uh, you know how to get a hold of him. M. Goodwin underscore New York Post. That's his uh, Twitter handle. Michael, thanks. My pleasure, Brian. All right. When we come back, your turn. one 408 7669 You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be right back. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Well, he should be fired. I mean, the thing is, he's still... Dr. Fox, you should be fired by the president. Absolutely. The thing is, is just for lack of judgment, if nothing else, you know, he's probably never going to admit that he lied. He's going to continue to dissemble and try to work around the truth and massage the truth. Let me go out on a limb. President Biden is not going to fire... Dr. Fauci, so what can Congress do or what are you going to try to do? We're calling for an investigation uh, and, and hearings on this. We've been calling for that for months. But you're right, there's been a great deal of resistance on the Democrat side. But would we not want to know the origin of the virus and to know if it came from a lab, particularly since this research still goes on? So that was Rand Paul sitting down with Axios over the weekend on HBO and just saying that Anthony Fauci, now that we know this, uh, this uh, there's another report that the NIH, which he chairs, which he has, he decides who gets money, who gets grants, who's doing something promising in this country or outside our borders. Uh, the Wuhan lab in this circumstance really funded gain of function research. So they funded it. So does that isn't that case closed? No, this is what Fauci said. And try to unwind this. I'm not smart enough, I guess. When people talk about gain of function, they make the implications, which I think is unconscionable to do, to say, well, maybe that research led to SARS-CoV-2. You can ask any person of good faith who is a virologist, and they will tell you that absolutely clearly that this would be molecularly impossible. So things are getting conflated. Things, uh, things are getting conflated. So he denies the report from the NIH paperwork, which was produced, that money did go to the Wuhan lab, and then they used it. He's not even saying that they lied to me and you said they wouldn't do it and did do it they're saying it never happened sooner or later reality will catch up to him i don't think he's sinister i don't think he's evil i think he knows he's somewhat culpable new from the fox news podcasts network my name is kennedy and welcome to my podcast which will i humbly say single-handedly save the world you're welcome it's kennedy saves the world subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com radio that makes you think this is the brian kilmeade show how many americans remain in afghanistan today uh, we aren't sure uh, the, the the frank answer is because not every american uh, uh, some of them are afghan americans who, uh, who have families there who have uh, who live there uh, it's hundreds uh, isn't it uh, i i think uh, it's very likely that it'll be uh, uh, in hundreds but uh, we don't know the truth of the matter is we don't know how, what a joke that is. Ambassador Khalizad, I would love to talk to him. He was the one in 2018, got the job to negotiate with the Taliban. He's for Afghanistan born. And um, 
This is his plan over two administrations. I don't know what his plan was, but I know that when President Biden did it, it was the worst thing that ever happened in modern uh, American military history, and we're still paying the price for it. Our reputation has been sullied forever because of it. And once again, the war fighters are uh, are are not. Uh, these leaders are not worthy of our uh, of our fighting men and women. Joining us now, a man has been there countless times, as well as Iraq, uh, every battle. Uh, either he's fighting in camouflage or he's covering it. Lieutenant Colonel Alvin North, uh, combat decorated U.S. Marine, number one best-selling author. He's got a new book out called We Didn't Fight for Socialism, America's Veterans Speak Up. Colonel, welcome back. Brian, it's great to be with you, buddy. Uh, I did not see the interview with Ambassador Kalazab. I've been trying to hear from him. Oh, what do you gosh. think about that explanation you just heard? Stunning. But, stunning. And probably off by a factor of 10. My guess is, I, back in July, a small group of us who'd been over there a lot, had Terps that we'd work with, started to find, you know, gosh, how are we going to get these people out? And it was right after, I guess it was early July, right after we gave up uh, Bagram, the big base. I think it was like the 8th, 9th, 10th, somewhere in there. It just pulled out in the middle of the night. Didn't tell anybody we were going, didn't tell our allies, didn't tell our our Afghan friends. The disaster you just described is not just the the consequence of of the ambassador. It's the way these people did it. And I I wrote a column back as this thing was coming unraveled and said, you know, the right thing to do was to get out of that war. It had gone on way too long. It was not going to succeed in rebuilding the country. The nation building does not is not a skill set that we have in this country. Well, we haven't tried that. to scale, build, build since 2014, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe even earlier. Oh, yeah. Disastrous. And so we started looking at how they're going to get out, and they said, really, there's, there is no plan. And, and the real thing about this thing was they did the right thing the completely wrong way, and it is, as you put it, a disaster. It is going to be with us for generations. We're going to pay the price for this all around the world. The communist Chinese have now built, as we all have talked about it, a hypersonic weapon. That weapon is capable of orbiting the Earth an unlimited number of times, or nearly unlimited number of times, and it could carry multiple nuclear weapons. Okay, And that means that instead of having 30 minutes of warning from a missile being launched over from China over the pole, or from Russia, for example, those things no longer apply. We've got about 30 seconds instead of 30 minutes if it's right overhead, Washington, D.C., and they fire one of those things down on the city. And so all the planning that we did back in the Reagan administration, the first two years I was on the NSC staff, that's what I did. That's why my bio that gets sent around says from 1983 to 1986, North was the U.S. government's counterterrorism coordinator. For the first two years, it was so secret, we couldn't even talk about it. We had code words to describe it. And it was continuity of operations and continuity of government. And we figured we have 30 minutes. And we have 11-minute flight time from Anacostia to get the president off the lawn. So we've got to find a way of making sure we don't lose constitutional civilian control of our government. And we did it. We can't do it the way this is working out now. And what the Chinese Chinese are doing is they're beating the daylights out of us all over Africa because you can't count on Americans because of what happened in Afghanistan. And the way they did the right thing so badly wrong is going to be with us forever. On top of that, we started research for the hypervelocity weapon systems 15 years ago. Okay, you know who stopped it? Barack Obama. Okay, and they tried to start it up again <clears throat> with the beginning of the Trump administration, and the scientists said 
all the research that we did is now in the hands of the bad guys because they'd stolen it. So we're in, we're in very, very serious national security. This is the first right time now. I'm hearing this because I heard we have $3.8 billion for this program. And then I also heard that uh, I also heard that, you know, the Chinese had hacked it. But then other people say, well, we had no program for them to hack. So you're no, saying we that we had it. We, we were doing the research on it. DARPA is the outfit that did that stuff. And, and the, here's what ought to happen right now. I mean, it's, it won't. Because of all the, the travesty, of repeated travesties of this administration, there ought to be a, a national bipartisan commission. I think I got a little experience with them back in 1987. That investigates all of this stuff that China is doing to us, to include the socialist attack with these mandates. I mean, this administration has gone so far over to the left, we are becoming a socialist state. And, and that's why you wrote Chinese the book. They're loving it. They're, they're loving it. And that's why, you wrote, that's why you wrote the book, Colonel? Yeah. I mean, we, <laughs> David and I are both Marines. I mean, think about this. They taught Marines how to read and write. And so David Getch and I have now written two books together. We're working on a third right now. And what I'm looking at, I've got a column that's going to come out tomorrow. I'll give you a quick, a quick heads up on the thing. If I can find, find it here on the, the mess of my desk. And it, I, I was standing next to a pilot, okay, for a delayed flight coming back, trying to get back home, okay? And he looks, he's a big guy. I said, what would you do before you were a pilot? Now, I'm, I'm not going to name the airline because he'll get fired. He might get fired anyway because of what he said. So he says, I was a Navy F-18 pilot. I said, half joking, if you land this airplane tonight, if we ever get to take off, and you land this airplane back at Dulles like you used to land F-18s on carrier decks, I'm going to scream in the back of the plane, right? So we're joking about it. He's, he says to me, what's your stand on the COVID? I said, I've had both, both shots. My wife and I are in that key demographic. We're old, and both of us have compromised immune systems. Okay, because Betsy's being treated for cancer right now. So he said, and this is a quote, I had COVID-19 in May. My doctor tells me I'm better protected than any vaccine. Yep. What law gives this president the authority to tell my employer, and I didn't name the airline, to fire me next month if I don't get vaccinated? I mused over that question. What law gives him authority? He has none. None. This president has done exactly what Xi has been doing in communist China now for 12 years. When you look at what this, this president is doing, it is a true socialist takeover. It's a power play. And, and socialist dictators and tyrants always do it the same way. They start out saying, you've got to do this my way or else terrible things are going to happen. Well, you know I what? This administration has made terrible things happen but, since it got in town. But couldn't they have said that against with Bush and the Patriot Act? Well, yeah, I, I, I think there are excessive intrusions on the civil liberties of Americans because of the Patriot Act. Now, there's no doubt that that, that old, what was, I'm trying to think, uh, gosh, what was it, Rahm Emanuel. Never, this is a Never let a good crisis go to waste. Right. Never let a serious crisis yeah. go to waste. And what I mean by that is it's an opportunity to do things you could not do before. His wor- use of the word you is right. wrong. He meant we. But, but do you so think, Colonel— government. Right, but do you think, things. Colonel, this could be a good thing in that the American people have already knocked his approval rating down nine points. 
They're seeing how actually inept he is. They watched that town hall on Thursday. They see that his staff can't even bring a cargo ship in or hire a truck driver. They're watching inflation uh, better than any 30-second ad uh, or any type of pundit talk. They're watching inflation rob them of their groceries, and now they're Christmas. Aren't they seeing some of this now, and don't you think they're going to react, beginning possibly with this uh, Virginia governor's race? Well, I hope so. I mean, listen, I've been out there beating the drum for – I've, no, I've known Glenn for, oh, gosh, 10 years. He, he's, he Glenn was, Youngkin. He attended, he attended my Bible study, right? He goes – he's a believer in the full sense of that word. He, he, he's hunted with us, okay? This is a genuinely really great American, and they're doing everything they can to beat him up, trying to time the previous administrations, this, that, and the other thing. I I believe Terry McAuliffe may have made the biggest blunder of his life when he said parents should not be telling school boards what how to teach their kids. And, and all of a sudden, yeah. suburban moms are looking, wait a second, are you telling me I can't complain to the school board about things? And then you get this letter sent by the American Association of School Boards, which uses the words domestic terrorism in it, and you get the Attorney General of the United States going on, well, we'll, we'll turn the FBI loose on these people that are grousing and moaning at, at at school board meetings. It's outrageous. But those kinds of intrusions are commonplace. But, Colonel, here's what I'm heartened by. I'm heartened by it's the backlash was so great they actually apologized. And number two is Youngkin gained four points in the polls. Yeah. And what I think Barack Obama with his, you know, he's great in front of the camera, very comfortable in the microphone. I get it. We know talent. You know Clinton had, had that stuff, too, in his day. Hillary never did. I get it. But he yesterday said these phony, trumped-up social uh, social wars. <laughs> no, this is not. This is nothing about a culture war. This is fact. This is these are parents reacting to what their kids are learning. There's nothing less political than that. No, I, look at. I'm spot on with you, buddy. I think what you're looking at is an administration that has at the top of it a, a seriously mentally compromised, and maybe compromised in another way. Gentlemen running the country, running the government. Look at. There's no doubt the chief executive of the United States has a very serious issue. The bigger question is, who is it that's actually giving him advice? Let's you and Susan I. Susan Rice, Barack what? Obama. I don't know. I, I, I I'm very serious. I truly don't know. Think about this. All the things that he's done wrong that have turned out disastrously. Okay, he's still in office. And he's still in office because someone wants him there. And my concern is that what you're looking at is the possibility that this president is so compromised, not just mentally, but morally, that someone else is calling shots. Never underestimate the power of blackmail. All right? I'm not, I don't know who it is. I don't know how it is. But well, let's take McKenzie and, and Mealy at their, at their word. They really did advise him, don't give up Bagram, keep 2,500 troops on the ground till the last American is out. And you, you played that sound cut at the beginning of this, set, of this segment. I look at all of that and say, okay, he's mentally compromised, but someone else is giving him advice that he's taking that's in completely the wrong direction. Because the question to Jen Psaki was, who can you name the... Can you name the military? You said the people, the military experts were split. Can you name the military man or woman that gave you the advice to leave the way you did, and she could not name anybody? Well, she can't because she's afraid to. Because there isn't any. She's going to lose her job. 
Yeah, or there isn't any. And, you know, she's basically cleaning up his mess after that town hall. Uh, Colonel, uh, so in this book, it's called We Didn't Fight for Socialism, America's Veterans uh, Speak Up. Uh, What do you hope uh, people take away from this? Well, one of the things that I want everybody to realize is that legacy appointments to service academies in the military and, and, and legacy commissions and legacy enlistments, those are people like my brothers and me. Our dad was a World War II hero. All of our uncles served in World War II, Korea, or both, okay? And we all went in the military, not because somebody told us to, but we wanted to be as good as they, okay? That is drying up with these guys. We interviewed 500 soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines on active duty and retired and just got you know, did their time and got out, okay? When you read what they say, that I'm not going to recommend that my son or my daughter follow my footsteps, that is a frightening possibility, particularly given all the social engineering that they're doing in the military right now. I mean, I, I've got gotcha. grandkids that I'm trying to convince. you you got you to go to the service academy. You don't have to go to Annapolis like I do. You go to any one of them. Go to the ROTC. You got a job when you get out, for crying out loud, and they pay you while you're in college. You graduate without a student loan, build up, which I know the other side's going to pay off, right? Okay, so yeah. you're going to graduate without a student loan debt, and you've got a job. You've got a great job. An ensign in the United States Navy or a lieutenant in the United States Marine Corps is today paid what I was being paid as a lieutenant colonel on active duty. Seriously, it's a good job. It's well-paying. Yes, you've got to put your life on the line, and yes, you do go to work in harm's way, but you'll have served your country. And despite Joe Biden and the mess that they've made of things, this is still the greatest country on earth, and we need to keep it that way. And that's why you need to elect guys like Glenn Youngkin. What is, how about that for a segue? Pretty good. You've, you've impressed yourself, <laughs> and that, that's not easy. Uh, Colonel, how's, it, how's, how's your wife? She's, uh, she's ill. Uh, best friend of my life. 53 years we've been married here in November. Uh, It's a very serious uh, disease or malady. It's not really a disease. Very rare. There's no cure. There's no treatment. Uh, It was misdiagnosed for probably three years when you and I were still working together at Fox. And I I just wasn't paying attention enough. I was doing way too much traveling and wasn't paying attention. And so when I was, as you know, I got hurt on my last trip overseas in 2017, had surgery right after us. And I got out of the hospital for the, the government-issued knee that they gave me. I was not wounded, as somebody said. I was running so I wouldn't get wounded and tripped and fell in this damn hole on top of, on top of the mountain over Mosul. And ended up, I was free ride on a C-17 back to Launchstool and Launchstool back here to D.C. and, and then surgery. And I, I'm blessed, but... That's that's when the girls, our daughters, began to notice hmm, something's going on with mom. It was misdiagnosed as a stroke, and then uh, MS, and then uh, uh, Parkinson's, and uh, you name it. And so finally, I just said, you know what, Mayo Clinic. And so last April we went up there. It's called degenerative cortical basal syndrome, and it's very rare. Uh, the this head of the department up at Mayo says, he says I see a thousand Parkinson's patients a year. I may in my entire career of 40 years have seen maybe maybe 50 cases of this. Wow. And so big pharma has no interest in something that doesn't sell, you know, millions of pills. And so it's... Uh, wow. Well, it, look, you I'll, and I still believe in miracles. Okay, yeah. I do. Okay, so I pray for one every day. Well, uh, give our best to Betsy, and I'll definitely talk to you off uh, off mic about it. I'd... I'd um, 
I look forward to talking to you again. It's always great, uh, Colonel. Congratulations on the book. I love you, buddy. Thank you. Got you got it. Simplify, buddy. Pray for it. America. You got it. Uh, back in a moment uh, to wrap up this hour. You listen to Brian Kilmeade Show. It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. As flawed as America was for the African-American, as brutal as the African-American experience was early, he wanted to make the country better. He didn't want another country. I think that's the part that people don't know about Frederick Douglass. He wanted to make his stand here, almost in biblical terms. He saw the promise of America which is hard to do when you're being beaten. So Douglas's gift was he never let the slave owners own him, not just physically in the showdown, but emotionally, spiritually, he transcended it. And that is uh, Douglas Brinkley. He's part of a special that's going to air November 7th. The president and freedom fighter Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and their battle to save America's soul. Uh, I've been working on it for the last two years. It is coming out in eight days. I hope everyone wants to uh, preload it, uh, actually pre-order it, and also see me uh, out on out and about in Manhasset, New York, at Publicans, especially WABC, WRCN people. Hope to see you out there in Manhasset. Got to just get tickets. It's where you register. You go to the front of the line. Barnes and Noble in Staten Island. I've never done a book tour there, but you have Barnes and Noble at the Staten Island Mall. Books a million in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Then over to Lexington, Kentucky, November sixth. And November 7th, West Virginia Live Stage Show. I talk about all the books and the war on history. BrianKillMe.com. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, FoxNewsPodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, Brett Baer is going to join me at the bottom of the hour. His book's still doing exceedingly well to rescue the Republic, Ulysses S. Grant, The Fragile Union, and The Crisis of 1876. Uh, Congressman Darrell Ice is going to be with us shortly, too. Now, you know, Congressman, you probably don't know he's a self-made multimillionaire. You probably don't know he served in the military. And you may not be familiar with what he's doing behind the scenes with some Democrats, too, to try to get Americans out of Afghanistan because the State Department, President Biden in particular, have not made it a priority. They want it to go away. He will not let it. 363 people, Americans in Afghanistan, want to get out. They told us about 100 that was about two months ago. We've had over 100 come out already. 363 minimum left behind in the State Department not helping Congressman Darrell Ice on the reality of that. And we heard from the man who constructed the peace deal that was so poorly executed, Ambassador Kalazad. I'll bring you some of that interview he did on Face the Nation yesterday. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The COVID shock to the economy Uh, has caused disruptions that we'll be working through over the next year. And of course, Americans haven't seen 
um, inflation like we've experienced recently in a long time. No kidding. Uh, we're here. Supply chain, inflation, and jobs. Three things the president could be focusing on, but instead he's plotting to spend money we don't have on programs we don't need. Thanks. Number two. Not only are we going to want to protect the, the law enforcement and, and all the jobs, uh, we're actually actively working to recruit out-of-state law enforcement because we do have needs in our police and our sheriff's departments. So in the next legislative session, I'm going to hopefully sign legislation that gives a $5,000 bonus to any out-of-state law enforcement that relocates in Florida. So smart. First, DeSantis comes out and says, I have some room in my port since they don't have room in California. Now he says, I have room on my police forces because Massachusetts, Washington State, New York City are all saying get vaccinated or be gone. He's saying come to Florida. This is just pure insanity what's going on now. If you have 85% of a police force vaccinated, consider yourself done. Instead, they're firing the 15. Number one. 90% of the bill agreed to and written. We just have some of the last uh, decisions to be made. Uh, It is less than we had uh, was projected to begin with, but it's still bigger than anything we have ever done in in, in terms of addressing the needs of America's working families. (sighs) The spin has started. Final hours for the spending palooza. Looks like a deal has got to get done before the president leaves on Thursday for Scotland to talk about another climate summit what's in the bill and how they're trying to spin it, that's coming your way. So let me just tell you what's, what's in the bill. I don't want to bore you, but it does affect you. Number one, they're forgetting about student debt forgiveness, not going to do it. Number two, they're not going to do free community college. Thank goodness. Not that I don't want everyone to go to community college, but it is affordable for almost everybody I know. In fact, some I know people that have almost no money, their family buried in debt or unemployed. There's aid there for community colleges. Pell Grants, there's academic grants uh, that you actually earn or you make you become economically eligible. That's never been a problem. Uh, Voting rights, not in the bill. Immigration reform, not in the bill. Criminal justice, not in the bill. Raising the top's tax bracket, Kristen Sinema doesn't want to do that. The corporate rate, which would make us uncompetitive again, is not going to be in the bill. And the extensive clean energy program will not be in the bill. Manchin and Cinema have made sure that they've done fantastic work. But I hope when the rubber hits the road, they don't find another way to push that in. I want to see all the details. I'm going to make every effort to read the entire thing. It's supposed to be between 1.75 and 2 trillion, significantly down from 3.5 trillion. You could arguably say half. So progressives aren't going to be happy. We don't even know if they will sign off on that, but their whole party is finished and through if they don't. I imagine, even if they pass this, most people don't even think it's going to affect their lives. You've seen the CNN poll that says exactly that. The president likes to get deadlines. You know what happened in Afghanistan? He embarrassed our nation just to hit a deadline that he made up. Well, Thursday he leaves for Scotland. He wants to be able to say that he's improving our energy usage. He wants to say we're on a program, we're on a path, and look what he's done. He's not Donald Trump, and he'll go out of his way to do that. Get this. Now, I can't quite figure out what they're doing, but the Democrats seem to have agreed on a billionaire's tax. What does that look like? Well, it's fewer than 1,000 people would qualify. The wealthiest Americans with at least $1 billion in assets. It's also floated a 15% corporate minimum tax that's designed to ensure all companies pay that, what Biden calls a fair share, okay, Internationally, there was 21%. Not sure what the problem is there. 
He said, I won't call it a wealth tax, says Janet Yellen, but it will help get at capital gains. Will help get at capital gains, which are extraordinarily a large part of the incomes of the wealthiest individuals and right now escape taxation. These are unrealized dividends. How do you tax something on projected dividends that you don't know if they're actually worth anything? Because we watch values fluctuate every day when it comes to these taxes. How, what are you going to tax a, on a daily basis? Instead of an annual basis or a quarterly basis? Or are they just going to put that down there and not going to follow through with it to say they paid for it? So that's what they're debating. And we're going to hear about a bill. We're going to, Bernie Sanders is trying to work it out. He's a socialist. And he's been called that. You're a socialist. What are you, why are you chairing the budget committee? But that's what America decided to do. Where's President Biden? Well, he's meeting with Manchin and Schumer over the weekend. Where is he? 170 days. 107 days he's been out of office. That's a new record. Outdoes Trump by 37 days. 35 personal trips. If you wanted to be president that bad and you ran for three separate times at least, why when you get the job don't you want to stay in the White House for free? Ro Kahana weighed in yesterday. This is what he said the chances are of his passing, cut 11. It's likely. You could hold me to it, I guess. Uh, here's the thing. The president looked us in the eye and he said, I need this before I go represent the United States in Glasgow. American prestige is on the line. Many members understand that. We're working very hard to get a deal. Uh, I understand we're close, and I'm confident we're going to get there. Since when does he care about American prestige? He's going to go over to Glasgow. Yeah, you left thousands of Americans and our allies and our friends behind and NATO's allies and friends behind. You didn't communicate anything. You've turned it over to a bunch of terrorists. But now you're worried about American prestige? Unbelievable. Nancy Pelosi weighed in, too. She thinks it's uh, this whole thing is done. Mike Lee still holds out hope that Joe Manchin will show a spine and continues to show a spine. Cut 16. Yeah, well, look, what they see here is, is a chance to make America a little more socialist or a lot more socialist. What they see here is that if they belittle him and intimidate him enough that somehow he'll relent. That's, of course, not going to happen. Joe Manchin's got a backbone, and he's got principles, and he's also got constituents. You know, he, he represents the good people of West Virginia, including a whole lot of poor middle-class Americans who are finding that everything they buy, from gas to groceries, from housing to health care, is getting more expensive, unaffordably so. And they're understanding increasingly that this is happening as a result of a federal government that's just printing money to the tune of trillions of dollars it doesn't have. That hurts America's poor middle class. Yeah. And, you know, Joe Manchin and people say, well, Joe Manchin always caves. And even uh, Senator Biden said when I was Senator Biden, that Joe Manchin would always come along and give us a hard time. But he would always come along. My hope is he understands that Joe Manchin's already uh, helped America out a lot, along with Senator Cinema, because these aren't programs. This isn't a point of view. This is something that would change the structure of our economy. We're already dramatically over budget every year. Now we're going to put more money into the, uh, non-discre- into the non-discretionary spending. And we have other things that we want to do. So you're just making the pie automatic withdrawals. You might as well not even have a president. All the money is going in a separate direction. Meanwhile, we have China, who is challenging us on a regular basis with their, with their now their hydrosonic program and Russia, what they're doing with cyber technology. We can't afford to take money out of those programs. We have a real national security challenge in front of us. Meanwhile, when we come back, 
What are the chances of us getting our people out of Afghanistan? Car- uh, Congressman Darrell Issa working day and night to make it happen. And then Brett Baer. Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. On the issue of building a democratic Afghanistan, uh, I think the, that uh, did not succeed. That struggle goes on. Uh, the, the Talibs are a reality of Afghanistan. Uh, we did not defeat them. In fact, they were making progress uh, yeah. on the battlefield, even as we were negotiating with them. And the reason we negotiated with them was because uh, that militarily things were not going as well as we would have liked. We were losing ground each year. They were winning uh, a war. Uh, uh, slowly, but uh, uh, making progress. And for us to reverse the progress that they were making uh, was going to require a lot more effort. Ambassador Khalilzad tried to make sense of our exit and why he was negotiating. Congressman Darrell Issa knows a thing or two. He served in the military as well. House Judiciary Committee, Foreign Affairs Committee, back in Congress and helping out. Also on the Border Security uh, Caucus, which, man, do we need some help uh, with security on our border. Congressman, first off, can you address Ambassador Khalilzad? Did we have no choice but to talk to the Taliban? Uh, You know, we always speak to anyone that represents a significant view of a country. Uh, But the reality was talking to them and negotiating that they would not take their country by force, but in fact, uh, a whole different approach uh, was what happened under Mike Pompeo. And that's not what happened under uh, Joe Biden. The agreements made were not kept. And there was no during those nine months, there was no effective uh, response to their violating their own agreements. So. Yes, we should negotiate. Uh, We negotiated a peace treaty uh, at the end of the Vietnam War. The problem in the fall of Vietnam wasn't that Richard Nixon hadn't succeeded uh, accomplishing what was called peace, uh, peace with honor. It was that the agreement then when nigged on when they saw a weak Gerald Ford and the ability to uh, go forward with impunity. And the same thing repeated itself in Afghanistan. Uh, if uh, if they were making progress, did that mean that we had to withdraw 2,500 uh, troops from Bagram Air Base? Well, let's put it this way: if you were if you knew you were losing the war, if you knew that defeat was imminent, what would you do? Would you get rid of your military and then hope to get your American citizens and your State Department out, or would you get your American citizens, then your State Department? and then your military out. The order shows that Joe Biden had no idea what was going to happen, or at least he did exactly the wrong thing in anticipation of it. So they found out there's 363 minimum, uh, uh, 363 Americans still in Afghanistan dying to get out. You've been working behind the scenes to do this. What kind of success have you had? Which issue the American people know about who's still in Afghanistan? Well, we now have gotten over 250 out successfully. And remember, we were told there was 100 to 200 there tops. Uh, 
But every day as we get more out, we get just as many new applicants uh, that we discover. Uh, this is one of the amazing things is the administration claimed that there were only 100 to 200 at a time when we were tracking three or 400 and knew there would be more. Uh, but they're still making a similar claim. And, and Brian, this is important vitally important for Americans to understand. They say the ones, they, they sort of describe them as the ones they're in communication with, and then they, they talk about those who want to leave. Understand, if you're stay, saying, I will not leave without my mother, I will not leave without my wife, I will not leave without my children, you are considered not to want to go. <laughs> you have to be willing to basically abandon your family in order to be a qualified American uh, last week, we got not one, but two groups, families out that fit that description. One uh, who was the dependent of an American that was already back in the United States. The other was a family unit, uh, Prince Wafa, where he had done all the work to get himself and his wife out, uh, but repeatedly had been told, well, why don't you leave on your own and apply for your wife later? Can you imagine leaving a woman <laughs> alone in Afghanistan Nuts. today. It's insane, and he doesn't care. They're not talking about it. We didn't want to leave one POW behind in Vietnam, and we still thought about it for decades, and there was all these stories about maybe they're still being held, and it was a national obsession. We have just said goodbye to hundreds of Americans who have been there for 20 years and said, well, we told you 19 times to get out. Congressman, something else, another area of your expertise is business. And you're seeing as you look out on the West Coast, you're seeing all these barges just sit there. How do you solve this problem? You know, a supply chain problem is certainly not going to be solved by Joe Biden, who has not gone to the port uh, any more than he's gone to the border, uh, who doesn't understand uh, candidly business and never will. Uh, but here's here's the short and simple. This was a problem a year ago at the beginning of the pandemic. This was a problem as we reversed a trend of making things in America and began uh, a little bit more, a lot more dependence on importing. This was a supply chain problem for a year, and Joe Biden hasn't solved it. So your, your question's a good one. How do we solve it? Well, the first thing is you look at this cartel of ports and you say if your port cannot increase its productivity cannot increase its output then the united states will look at that as an important strategic uh, asset and we will take steps to expand it now that's not a threat against the unions uh, that dominate these ports it's a statement that you and your stevedores have to hire more people or you need to work overtime, you cannot continue making, as they do in the Port of Long Beach, a quarter of a million dollars a year per employee and say, we really don't have the ability to do any more. No, you have to have a plan not to fall behind. And, and Brian, the thing that that's out there in, in Long Beach in L.A. is they have become less efficient as they become backed up. So they actually can their productivity is going down, not up, because every container has to be moved three times in order to get another container out because they've become so backlogged. If they could get caught up, they could stay caught up. They need to have a plan to do it. I believe in the men and women that run that port. Uh, if they're simply given the choice of you fix it or the government will intervene. And the reality is they would work overtime. 
They would bring in surge employees. They would do things that the union's not allowing them to do. Atlantic Magazine says he blames affluent Americans who are buying up things they don't need. Uh, They said for America, stop ordering stuff. Uh, Check this, the headline. America's need, need, Americans need, uh, America needs you to buy less junk. Is it our problem? Are we ordering too much? Is it our fault? Brian, these containers have an awful lot of things in them, but let's just remember some items that he's ignoring. Uh, building materials, we're talking about drywall, we're talking about two-by-fours. Those kinds of items have gone up as much as 40%, and there are shortages. So when you look at the supply chain problem, it certainly includes support, but this president's not addressing the supply chain problems that are leading to inflation. And you can't keep saying it's transient in- inflation as the months roll on at 7 and 8% inflation. Gotcha. Uh, always great to talk to you. Congressman Darrell Issa, uh, trying to handle it all uh, in a place that doesn't look like they want to solve problems. Uh, appreciate you joining us. When we come back, Brett Baer, uh, Chief Political Anchor for Special Report and the and Fox News. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. 90% of the bill agreed to and written. We just have some of the last uh, decisions to be made. Uh, it is less than we had uh, was projected to begin with, but it's still bigger than anything we have ever done in, in, in terms of addressing the needs of America's working families. By the time he leaves for Europe, do you think you'll have a deal by Thursday or Friday? No, I, I, think, we're, I think we're pretty much there now. You think you have a deal now? We're almost there. We just, it's just the language of, of it, but it will be it will um, not offend, shall we say, uh, the concern that uh, Senator Manchin had about the CEPP. Yeah, uh, but she has said that three weeks ago. She said, we're going to have a vote on Monday. We're going to have a vote on Wednesday. On Friday, she said, I'm going to have a vote this weekend. And then how about October 31st? And how about December? And that's why Nancy Pelosi won uh, down under. And also, this isn't really her fight. I mean, technically... She can't control her house. Don't tell me she's got. Uh, she's an absolute monarch there because she can't control her left wing. And the moderates there, Josh Gottheimer and company, don't seem to want to sign off on anything. And no one's bringing this up that doesn't include the tax deduction for the state tax, the so-called SALT, which is an acronym. So, uh, and uh, Tom Swazi, who is a congressman from Nassau County, uh, no, no, Suffolk County, excuse me. He's also said, yeah, uh, we got killed on this because so, our property taxes are so high, you can't write them off. It hurt everybody in his district. So I'm not too sure the moderates under control. I know the left wing isn't under control. So then uh, they went over to the Senate and said they got two people out of control, as Senator Cinema, as well as Senator Manchin. And now you have the, the Speaker of the House saying, yeah, I think this thing is going to pass. I don't know. Uh, I am not nearly as uh, optimistic, but I do think they're going to try to get something, even if it's something, and I do worry that the things that we are going to get, we're not going to know about. And because it's going to be in the details. And a lot of these things is green uh, technology and the converting of our economy off fossil fuels that we're not ready to do yet. 
uh, that shows it. I think it's going to hurt the economy even more. You should be calling, instead of Saudi Arabia, you should be calling Texas. And the president doesn't seem to understand that. And there is not enough outrage to make him understand that. Here's Janet Yellen yesterday on the state of the economy. Cut 21. Right now, we have a very tight labor market. When the labor market is tight and Americans feel good about their ability to get another job, um, they're more likely to quit a job. They're getting outside job offers and taking them, and that shows up in those statistics. So we have a good, tight labor market. Firms are obviously having trouble hiring workers. But labor supply is depressed by the pandemic. Well, labor supply depressed by the pandemic. Really? You have 7 million people without a job. How many are scared to go back? How many are getting paid so much they don't have to go back? Uh, How much money is already flooded into their account and they're thinking about not doing it? The service industry was trounced. There's got to be an incentive to bring those people back because they were basically told to do other things because that closed down because we had a social environment, social setting, no waiters, no cooks, no hostesses, especially with the restaurant industry in particular. Bottom line is some states are doing much better, one of which is Florida. And when it comes to the supply chain, when it comes to the mandates that say if you do not get vaccinated by a certain date in cities like New York, in Seattle, in most cities in Massachusetts and all of Washington and California, they're saying, hey, you're fired. That means firefighters. That means cops. That means medical workers. There you have to, if you're a medical worker, whether you're an orderly or a surgeon, you got to get the shot or you're out. Governor Ron DeSantis sees this problem and sees how to solve it. Cut 22. We have capacity. So if there are ships that are idled off the West Coast, and actually there's some off Savannah on the East Coast as well. Uh, we've already had some from Savannah be rerouted. We have more capacity. And they made a big deal, Maria, recently about California ports would start doing 24-7. We always do 24-7 in Florida. And so we have multiple options. Each individual port can offer companies uh, incentive packages to be able to do it. Obviously, that's a good thing for Florida, but it's also good for the country to be able to alleviate these log jams because to have shortages continue to pile up. And especially as we get into the Christmas season, this drive inflation even higher. I mean, it's a huge problem. And so Florida can step up. Yeah, it is a huge problem. So far, employment vacancies fell to 10.4 million from 11 million, a drop of 659,000 from July's 11.1. They say the decline was well short of market expectations, and we have, as I mentioned, 7 million out of work. In terms of inflation, the reason why you have less money gas is 42% up, energy overall 24% up, used cars up 24%, food up almost 5%, clothing almost 4%, and transportation services uh, plus 5%. So it keeps going down the line. you got to up gas. i got to charge more for a cab and for an Uber and for a limo. So buses got to go up if you're going to not put a city into, uh, you know, reverse, um, put into, a, into a, lack of a better term, reverse mortgage. So uh, listen, another thing I want to talk about that I haven't really discussed much is what's going on on the border. Uh, there's another migrant caravan with thousands of people in it. It looks huge, and it looks organized. And believe me, they signed up evidently online through an app, 
and they have marched up forward. I don't know how much they pay, but you got to see some of the interviews that we have our own Griff Jenkins doing. Some of these people sound like they have PhDs. It's no longer give us, give us your uh, oppressed quickly. We're refugees. They're just looking to get in. And they're looking to break our system that's broken and circumvented. Those college kids that want to stay, those people on green cards that, that want to become citizens. You take a second and getting vaccinated, by the way. Now you have unvaccinated people pouring across the border. Some are marching up. They have about another 1,500 miles to go. But if you want to know who to blame, ask the guy in charge. His name is Arenio Musaya. Here's what he said to Griff Jenkins yesterday, cut 35. You know, it's heartbreaking to see what's happening. And I think Mexico is just handing up and using this as, as a money grabber for the U.S. All the Biden administration is doing is throwing money at it. You know, it's not, it's not really fixing anything. They don't even, I don't even think they care about this issue. So when I see this... It hurts me because I voted for Biden. It is impossible. It is naive for the American government not to think that the Mexican government put the Haitians from point A to point B in three or four days. And I see it. The caravans, most of them were paid by the Mexican government. Why? Maybe because they don't want the problem. Maybe because they want to pressure the U.S. and they can sell this with better money. They're using the American government because it's naive. 1.9 1.9 million people use the American government just passing through, let alone the gotaways. And when they say you have people, when you have uh, the encounters are high, that means the gotaways are low. And when you say, well, I knocked down the encounters, that means the gotaways got higher. And as been brought up to me by Tom Homan, he said, look, when they had all those thousands of Haitians at that bridge, they flooded resources there, Border Patrol agents there. Therefore, they have no idea what was happening in the areas in which they were watching. Therefore, the gotaways went through the roof. They admit there's 1.9 million. Almost none of them are being vetted. They say 600,000 minimum have been la- allowed to stay here. Many aren't even required to check back in with ICE. And if you're making cops quit, medical workers find another line of work, hospice workers told if you don't get vaccinated, you're going to come. How can you rationalize that, uh, that drop-dead attitude and mix that with what we're seeing, what we're hearing from these illegal immigrants storming our border. It's, uh, it's unacceptable, but it's commonplace here. But it's something else that's happening is it's not going away. There's no sense. Where is Henry Cuellar? If you wanted to solve this problem, and I hope we can book them tomorrow, Allison, Congressman Henry Cuellar has been working the border for 30 years, a Democrat on the border. He's got 23% approval rating on his border issues, President Biden does, including with independents. Why is it in his best interest to allow this to happen? Congressman Andy Biggs, cut 25. I'll give you two or three reasons. Number one, they campaigned on an open border. Number two, they said that they, uh, they've they indicated that they think that these folks will end up voting Democrat at some point, And that's part of why they want to give amnesty to these people, uh, which is ultimately a path to citizenship. And the third thing is that there's a lot of people that are in this administration that don't believe in the Westphalian nation state. They don't believe in the the concept of a nation state. I mean, that's something that's been a, a treasure on the left for a long time to eliminate that. So there's three there's three reasons right there. But the bottom line is they all make our country more insecure. Uh, and this is a national security issue right now. All right, that's true. Listen, when we come back, we're going to find out if there's more to know and try to squeeze in some calls uh, before this show is done. 
I also want to tell you I'm hosting tonight at 7 o'clock uh, on primetime. I'll be doing that all week, although Wednesday I'll be missing for a great reason, which I'll tell you about in the uh, after-action report. But amongst our guests will be Greg Gutfeld, who seems to have a bright future and dominate late night. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, I will also have uh, Clay Travis will be joining us talking about how Annis Cantor has spoken up about China, what they're doing, what they're uh, punishing Tibet as well as the Muslims. Is that going to get him in trouble with the NBA? He'll be discussing that. And we're going to be discussing with the uh, a little bit of the John Gruden situation. And I have been in touch with Ennis Cantor, who's been a guest on our uh, show today. Hopefully we'll have him on uh, shortly. And I also have Senator Lindsey Graham will be on the show, as well as... Um, Your buddy Greg Gutfeld. Yeah, I mentioned Gutfeld. Oh, sorry. Uh, thanks I for sorry, I was tying it. Sorry. Um, it's unbelievable. Nancy, I'm just so excited about Greg. Nancy Mace will be on. Do you know why? Why? The congresswoman was one of the ones to bring a resolution up to condemn Anthony Fauci for allegedly using beagles for medical experiments in Tunisia. Do you believe that? You want to talk about outrage? No one could get upset about Ferziz and the, the origin of this virus. But if you find out that we had, were donating allowed and funding the experiment, the brutal experimentation of beagles uh, in Tunisia, that's when Nancy Mace has gotten Democrats to support him in condemning Anthony Fauci for doing this and condemning, demanding an investigation on that. When we come back, we'll find out if there's indeed more to know. Questioning everything. everything. It's Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. At his CNN town hall, President Biden discussed the importance of addressing mental health, saying a broken spirit is no different than a broken arm. Well, if I keep betting on the Giants, I'm going to have both. Also at the town hall, President Biden admitted that he has not yet had time to visit the southern border, though his approval rating has. Insiders are also saying that during meetings, President Biden repeatedly uses the F word in conversations. More concerning, the F word he keeps using is forget. (laughs) <laughs> that's pretty funny. Uh, that's good. I mean, it was as negative as possible, but I thought they could figure in humor in the open, cold open. But can we play that one clip that I like from Colin Jost about the the farcical nature of what they're doing with the vaccines? The mix and match. The mix and match. Moderna, Pfizer, it doesn't matter. The FDA authorized the mixing and matching of booster shots and vaccines as we enter the just winging it phase <laughs> of the pandemic. Seriously, when it comes to medication, when has your doctor ever said, just mix and match? It's all good. Taste the rainbow. So there you go. Uh, so at least that was somewhat, because you thought the same thing. They, they seem like they're winging it. At least somebody said it. So let's find out if there's more to know. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-G-O-L-D. So Tom Brady, another historic day, another big win for the Buccaneers. Uh, they crushed, uh, they won big time over the Bears. 600th career touchdown for uh, Tom Brady. Here's how it sounded. Evans. 600. It is. Oh, that was the 600. Mike gave it away. He goes, man, I'm sorry, man. I get it. I said, sorry. I'm sure they'll figure out a way to get it back. But I don't keep too many. I don't actually keep too many things. So in that circumstance, I just, yeah, I felt like that might be a good one to keep. The fans said when you asked for the football, 
He said he couldn't say no to Tom Brady. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. He's going to get something nice in return, so we'll get him a helmet or a couple jerseys or some other stuff. So it was really cool him to do that. But I think he would have got about $500,000. Wow. But, I mean, so you would have kept the ball and not made Brady happy for five hundred grand. No, I probably would have given it up at the time. But in retrospect, I think they should give him more than a helmet. And now that he finds out he's not going to keep it, well, who gets it? Someone else going to cash in on it? That's a good I mean, point. we're trying to. Like, if I'm going to give it to you because you want to share with your family, that's one thing. But you're going to take it and go give it to some other sports memorabilia person? Well, then that's that's frustrating. He does that, but hopefully he does. You're right. Give him more than uh, the helmet. More good uh, Tom Brady stuff. Listen to this. Let me try to set the scene here. There's a young fan with a sign that said, "Tom Brady helped me uh, beat cancer." He's probably looks like he's about 10 years old. The kid. Listen. What's it like to walk out there and see a young man holding a sign that says, Tom Brady, help me beat brain cancer? That was really sweet. Yeah, obviously, tough kid, man. And uh, puts a lot in perspective of what we're doing on the field. Um, in the end, it doesn't mean much compared to what so many people go through. So, you know, we all try to make a difference in different ways. And I think so many guys commit time to their foundations and to doing good things for the world. And the NFL does a lot of great things. Um, so it's just nice to always think, you know, do the best you could do, you know, under under any circumstance. So that was nice to see. And he went over there and shook the kid's hand. I think he gave him a ball, and the kid got uh, very emotional. That was pretty great. You saw that, right? Did you see it? I just heard it. I didn't see it, uh, though. But no, I mean, he... Yeah, we've been running it on the channel. Okay. We ran on Fox and Friends. But he's right. It does put it in perspective. Without your health, you have nothing. Right. I mean, just the inspiration. Did he do anything specifically? Because Tom, TB, uh, Tom Brady does have his whole line of hydration and health stuff. So we don't know if that worked. Um, next, Facebook employees have tried to suppress conservative outlets. This is news? How did this make it in here? The tech giants' employees have consistently pushed to suppress to deplatform right-wing outlets on Breitbart despite objections from managers trying to avoid political blowback. The special focus on the report was Breitbart, which employees have targeted to remove uh, the news tab function, especially amid protests following the George Floyd uh, death in Minneapolis. After a staffer asked about removing Breitbart, a senior researcher responded, I can also tell you that we saw drops on trust to CNN two years ago. Uh, would, uh, would we take the same approach for that, too, he wrote. By 2020, Facebook has begun keeping track of strikes for the content deemed false by third-party fact-checkers. I guess some of these papers have leaked into the mainstream. The report is the latest series of bombshell revelations from whistleblowers about the social media's colossus cravings for profits over the needs of users. I'm getting very suspicious of one thing. Everybody knows that they're, they're being suppressed. No one knows exactly how outside these, these social media uh, experts. But why are the Democrats going up to Facebook like this now? When they know Facebook went out of their way to crush the hopes of Donald Trump in 2020. What are they up to? That's a good question. But they still think that, you know, Facebook is allowing too much of the right out there, right? They get annoyed with peop- what people still do see and that how people are still getting, um, you know, more tribal or like getting Republicans more revved up, right? Because of January 6th. Next, Alec Baldwin is supposedly still inconsolable after his uh, deadly shooting on the Rust movie set uh, that killed the cinematographer. Uh, it turns out. Uh, he was handed a gun that was told it was a cold gun. Uh, he actually almost uh, killed a director, too. He says, everyone knows this was an accident, but obviously he's devastated. The unknown source said the actor is canceling other projects uh, and will take some time to himself to recenter himself. Pretty devastating. This is how he handles difficult times. Whenever something bad happens in the short term, he removes himself from the public eye. Baldwin first publicly addressed the incident on the 22nd. 
He says he's fully cooperating with police. Evidently, the guy that handed him the gun had a problem on the set already, had complaints about him on something else. Well, I was hearing today, too, that like, people that handle guns, you're always afraid to like, check the barrel and things like that. Like, Why are those processes in place even for a prop gun? And why was the whole staff rebelling against him, against the whole cast, saying they were underpaid and overworked? Hey, see you tonight at 7 o'clock on Primetime. Make sure you watch and go to briankilme.com. Pre-order my book, The President and the Freedom Fighter. Thanks for listening. Keep it here. The world of business moves fast. Stay on top of it with the Fox Business Rundown every Monday and Friday. Listen to the Fox Business Rundown starting May 20th at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.